They said it couldn't be done. Independence was impossible. Through fear-mongering and other forms of negative rhetoric, they made you give up on your dreams. Well now, it's time. To prove them all wrong. It's time to blow up the system and change the world. And we've got the man who did it. Broadcasting from studios in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Outliers. Here's your host, visionary and founder of Fedora Outlier LLC, Vashawn Jones. What's up, everybody? It's Vashawn Jones, visionary of Fedora Outlier LLC. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. We are here with another outlier, my boy. I'm talking about we only seen each other like one time in life, but I feel like I've been knowing him all my life. Some things that he's going to tell you definitely resonates with me, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with you all. We're going to talk to how he be, talk about. We're going to talk about how he was almost out of this world, not here, and how he overcame it. We're going to talk about good health. We're going to talk about how he became blind. We're going to talk about how you can empower the world. I think. I think, Warren, what you think, man? We're going to talk about some of that at least? Yes, yes, definitely. We're going to talk <laughs> about some of that. There you <laughs> go. Y'all put y'all virtual hands together for Mr. Warren Crudup, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, in post. See, this is live, so I ain't got none of the hand claps, but in post, we're going to. We're going to put that in for the final recording. But thanks to all you guys that are out there listening and watching. Um, I'm Vashon Jones, visionary of Fedora Outlier LLC. We do have Mr. Warren Crude up here. So, Warren, talk to us, man. Tell us where you grew up and um, what your childhood was like, how you lost your sight, and um, we'll take it from there. Okay, I grew up in uh, Neptune, New Jersey, which is on the shore coast near Asbury Park, New Jersey, is where most people refer that area to Asbury Park, Belmont, Long Branch, right on the ocean. I was about two miles in from the ocean, uh, but it was something I'd love to be right now in the ocean. It was so cold. <laughs> Not in New Jersey. Ah, it's cold in New Jersey. Yeah. It's cold here, yes. Uh, but my life, uh, I had a pretty good life growing up. I grew up in a, a little suburb uh, neighborhood. Um, I, with one sister and one brother, uh, mother and father. Um, worked pretty much all my life. You know, from a teenager, I was out here hustling, selling holiday cards <laughs> at a young age, cutting grass, Boy. working on the trucks with my uncle, babysitting, shoveling snow, cutting grass. However I could get it in is what I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely that cutting grass, man. I tell people all the time, especially the ones that can see, and they ain't got no excuse. I mean, you go cut some grass, $30 a yard, you do 10 of those, man, that's $300 a day. I don't know too many people making $300 a day. Well, 
back in my days, five dollars. <laughs> it was ten for me, brother. But hey, you you get the point. You know, over the right, weekend, right. ten yards is a hundred dollars. That's a pair of tennis shoes. That's how I learned how to make it. So I'm with you. Right, right. <laughs> but as far as that beach, man, I looked up because uh, I I love the beach. And it's crazy because I grew up in Virginia. We got Virginia Beach and, you know, Buck Road Beach and all those different beaches. But I'm I never sure. really went. You know what I mean? Um, but I love the beach. So I was looking up Florida yesterday, Miami, just to see what the temperature was. And, um, you know, it was 76 degrees at like 8 o'clock. I say, man, I need to be in Miami. Wow, me too. <laughs> I used to go to Jacksonville all the time, so I'm familiar with the Florida beaches a little bit. Yeah, I was just in, in Jacksonville for the Blind Veterans Convention. Um, first time there, probably went through it, but definitely the first time there. And uh, it's a great city, man. They had some amazing food everywhere that I went was just was crazy and it wasn't even seafood actually it was down home i had a chicken goat cheese and pickle biscuit man that thing was good i think i know where you went to yeah yeah <laughs> down down on beach avenue <laughs> yep yep see man yeah, that's crazy yeah. that's crazy yeah yeah seafood's great down there though i enjoyed the seafood the old joe's uh uh seafood place love to go to yeah, yeah, definitely so. So yes. this this hustling, man, and, and actually getting out and, and getting it is definitely my theme for 27, uh, 2018. It's always been my theme, but I'm going to really put it out there because people need to know, especially those of us with disabilities, man, that you got to get out there and get it. And um, it's funny that you mentioned that. So you're selling holiday cars, so this would be the perfect season for you. How did that, that actually work? Was that door-to-door or... It, well, it was a uh, Black Christmas uh, holiday cards that I used to sell. Um, I think they were about $8 a box back in the day for about 50, 50 per cards, and I would do it door to door. But after a couple years of doing it, I had my regular customers. Mm. So some of them, I would just reorder the same thing because they, they wanted the same thing every year. Okay. So it was a nice little moneymaker as a young kid growing up. <laughs> so you was like, you know, getting residual income before people <laughs> even knew what that was. I got you. Absolutely. Got yes. you. Hold on one yes. sec, because we are live, so I'm doing this um, this voice text on uh, one of my team members that just texted me. And it's funny that, okay. that um, you know, you mentioned that because uh, this – gentleman mr matthew carrillo which you guys hear from um in a future podcast is asking about some funds now so i'm gonna just respond live matt you're on the podcast with uh myself and warren crudup uh when she uses up her hours then we'll bill for it and we'll pay those out um i'm gonna get back to the podcast with mr crudup you have a good one i'm gonna press send there so this residual income. So, at an early age, how old were you when you was you were selling the um, the cars? About eleven years old, uh, to about fourteen, fifteen. Okay, okay. So super yep. early. I started with a lemonade stand. So, um, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, throwing newspapers, selling donuts <laughs> from my mom in the church. So, you know, our payday was you know splitting a 
dozen of donuts at the end of all that hustling. So okay, yeah, I want no paycheck for me. Actually, I remember my first paycheck, man. My dad laughed at me, but he knew it would fuel me to to um, do more and and do what I need to do. But my first paycheck was like four dollars and and some change. <laughs> and uh, I, this is after a week's worth of work. <laughs> that's about what my grandfather paid us a dollar an hour to man. work out in his garden right. and deliver uh, vegetables to the neighborhoods. Okay. Right on the back of his old Sanford type looking truck. Oh man, not the Fred Sanford yeah. truck. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the truck. <laughs> man, we had the long station wagon. Man, look like a, a, a cockroach. <laughs> look with the seat in the back turned towards you know the, the the back of the car. So we pulling up to the light, and I'm looking right. at the people <laughs> in the car behind us. Man, it was like the weirdest thing. Man, I was always in these these awkward positions as a kid. Why did get any cool points whatsoever? Right, <laughs> but, uh, seven children, man. We had to, we had to get it in. But um, so yeah, you had the Fred Sanford truck, huh? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, it was red too. <laughs> oh man, it won't the red. I think in uh, post, yeah. I'm gonna put the Fred Sanford music in there just for grins and giggles. <laughs> ah, okay, <laughs> yeah, man. So you yeah. learned how to work at an early age. You know, you did a lot with sales and convincing people and being that little kid where they thought, oh, he's so cute, holiday car, help him out. How did sales actually help you um, throughout life and, and kind of maneuvering that with your experience in selling? Um, it gave me definitely responsibility uh, to want you know, and work for the things I wanted. Um, I didn't have to worry about uh, the things I needed, but working, doing that, you know, I remember one year I got a bike, and uh, which I took pride into it, and then you could get, like, cash back, if you want cash back each, you know, at the end of each season. So it definitely gave me a responsibility to work, to uh, earn my own living. And uh, and other things like cutting grass and all that, all all that tied into place with uh, just getting out there and getting my, you know, whatever I wanted. Mm. So yeah, it definitely helped with my adult age. Man, I could imagine because did I have a bike? I'm trying to think that I have a bike. <laughs> I think so. I think I had a lot of access to bikes because I passed the built bikes, which is kind of um, ironic. I mean, he literally had, you know, this garage just full of bikes. So I think I had a lot of a lot of access to it. I think my first thing on wheels that uh, my dad purchased for me was a skateboard. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure I had a bike. I don't know, man. My childhood is kind of kind of fuzzy i actually in my childhood went blind twice and got my sight back so i never told too many people that story and we'll get into it you know later on in life i'll tell you guys in a book or something but you know okay. speaking of uh losing our sight so at this point you're 15 you you know you got the taste of of money you know what what actually happens do you lose your sight later on in life is it after this you know what happened i lost my sight 12 years ago uh, August of 2005. Okay, hold on. So back up. All right, we'll get to that then. So from 15 to, um, you know, when you lost your sight, 
what were you doing? What was, you know, like your your high school and your college like? Because I would imagine you was normal, you know, you could see and, and all of that. So I, you had a, a regular childhood and, and you know, adolescence and, and teenage life? Yeah, it was regular. I, I worked through uh, high school, I actually worked part-time after school at a toy store. Um, had my own car at uh, 16 and a half years old. Um, I got my first little car, and at 17, uh, I bought a, a better car because uh, I had saved up. Uh, through Halfway through high school and coming out of high school, I also worked at appliance store, which I did everything there. I started out as a delivery uh person and end up moving into uh sales a little repair um i did that off and on the reason i say i did it off and on because i left there uh, a couple times and uh, one time i left and i went to a school uh uti which was a techno school and learned some techno uh equipment uh the first pager that ever came out was taught there uh, how, to, how to build it, uh, the pager. I uh, came back and worked a little while, left again uh, the early 80s and went to, out to college, out to the University of Cincinnati. Oh, man, it was cold out there, so <laughs> I, that didn't get along with me too well. <laughs> Even coming from New Jersey, where it's historically cold? It's Different type there. of cold. Okay, okay. <laughs> type, yeah, definitely a different type of cold. So I came back from Ohio and worked there for another year or two. Uh, started selling life insurance as a debit agent. Mm. Uh, now, that was going door to door, running all around town all the time. Um, during that process, I, I met my uh, wife, uh Married her uh, towards the late 80s. She had a son, which I adopted. And shortly after, we had our own child. So they are grown now Mm -hmm. uh, and and doing their own thing in college. One of my daughters in college, son just got married. And after I got married for about six years, and then I decided to... uh, leave that and I moved down here to Atlanta. I ended up in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) Okay, you said leave that as if it was a job. (laughs) You know, I left that and I started a new one. (laughs) Man, so your life parallels mine, man, because door to door, I went selling newspaper subscriptions for about seven years and that's where like I said, it was starting out. Uh, my first check was, you know, that four dollars and some change, and I ended up being um, top salesman, you know, a bunch of times, and made a bunch of money, and and really was able to take sales to a whole nother level. Um, got married one time, I guess. In your words, I left that. <laughs> now I'm married again, and I love it, man. It's is is crazy. But so are right. you? You leaving wives, like, you know, employment? Did you give her a pink slip? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. No, it was just one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, it wasn't a pink slip, but it should have been. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but, yeah, no, it ran its course. You know, uh, sometimes relationships are for seasons. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's why I said I left that and ended up moving down here to Atlanta, Georgia. Been down here since the uh, since 1991. Man, so I'm picturing you. You had an afro, thing. didn't you? Did I have an afro then? No. <laughs> um, I had some different hairstyles. I, I did have the jewelry curl at one time. I had the oh, afro right. at one time, <laughs> the short haircut. Oh, so okay. I've been the high fade, the low fade. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. Because I'm picturing my dad, he tells these stories. It's like, you know, if we pull up to a certain area of town and cross over this intersection, I know the story he going to tell. And um, he always talks about his T-top Thunderbird. You know the one where you had to literally get out the car, take the take the take the windows off of each side, and put them in the trunk. I'm like, man, that's that's crazy. So I don't know why I'm getting this picture of you in an afro and you know in a deuce and a quarter or something. But okay. Well, I did have the 280 ZX, which you had to take the t tops so. off. Okay, okay. So you <laughs> so with me? You, so you, you with close. me? <laughs> okay, okay. You close, <laughs> man. That that right there is crazy. Um, yeah. Okay, so the marriage thing uh, didn't work, and you moved on. What did you What did you move on to? Well, I moved down here to Atlanta and just uh, played the single life. Um, <laughs> once I came down here, I uh, found a job at an attorney's office. I worked there for about a year uh, doing collections. God, I tell you, we just—that's what I went and did. Man, I love boy when I got the hang of it, because you know we already collecting money in sales. It's like if you don't, you know, sell, you don't eat. So I'm used to that type of you know lifestyle. And when I got into collections, and I was like, man, you owe me money. Oh, you gonna pay me, man? I used to. Kill them, boy. I'm talking about I was Western Union and Money Ground collector of the year. I'm talking about millions of dollars in collections <laughs> a year. So that's crazy, wow. man. How did you like collections? Did it make you feel any type of way like some people say? Because it didn't me. It did me a little bit because I knew I was calling people uh, that did not have money or uh, somebody knew that they were just trying to board from paying their bills, <laughs> but I, I sincerely thought a lot of them just didn't have money, and I was calling them doing my job, you know, which was harassing them to get their money out of them, so it did make me feel some kind of way. I, I didn't really care for it that much. Man, let's get back into it, because here's the theory <laughs> that I had. Number one, you owe somebody some money, right? And I call you at 12 o'clock, and... I hear the TV in the background. So I'm like, what are you doing to get the money? I realize you don't have it. That sounds good and great. But you wasn't saying you didn't have it when you opened up the credit card. Now it'll say you ain't got no money. Nah, nah, I ain't ain't even trying to put a mattress on your back and make it happen. That's what I used to tell them. And I didn't see it as harassment. I followed all the rules. I call you from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. in your time zone. I'll follow the mini Miranda. This is an attempt to collect a debt. Any information obtained will be used for that purpose. But this is a $10,000 credit card. And then I look at your credit report. You paying Macy's. You paying your BMW bill. I need my money. (laughs) <laughs> As my mama used to say, hell or high water, or hook or crook or something. I don't think she uh, said hell, but, you know, hell, I'm saying it. But, um, man, I love collections, so that's 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 crazy. 
So, so you looked at it like it was your money. Man, it was my money. <laughs> so I had to feed my family. I can't feed mine because you ain't paying yours. Man, I'm like, uh-uh. If I can go to work, you can go to work. You need to go to work. Get, start watching as as the world turn and the edge of our lives and all that stuff. Well, it might have been medical reasons or maybe they worked at nighttime or. Man, you got a good heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you got I a good got heart. It. I got it. Yep. <laughs> I see, cause uh, they let you go, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> no, no. Actually, I, I left on, on my own. Oh, okay. And um, actually, left and went and worked for Pascal's Motor Hotel, which is a famous hotel down here in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. That uh, Martin Luther King used to hang out at. Um, used to have their civil rights meetings at. Uh, met a lot of people down there, the uh, black clergy of Atlanta. Huh. And I actually went there and uh, needed a job, and I'll say I'll sweep floors or, you know, clean up the garbage outside, and next thing I know, I end up at the front desk. Uh, next thing I realize, I end up being the front desk manager mm. uh, through the Olympics. Mm. So that, so that that was pretty nice working there. Yep. Well, actually, worked up to about ninety-seven. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. And the reason I left there because they brought the college kids in half the hotel from Clark Atlanta. Okay. Okay. So that was a wild house. <laughs> Man. So I moved to Atlanta in ninety-six. I moved because I worked at MCI WorldCom, and this dude from Atlanta sat beside me, and he already talked funny, which which, which intrigued me. But he said, hey, man, won't you ride with me to Freaknik? And I'm like, what in the world is a Freaknik? He was like, man, the women is naked all over the city for this whole weekend. Man, yeah. I'm this dude from Virginia. I ain't never heard nothing like it. We hops in the car. We comes down to Freaknik. And um, let's just say I've been here ever since. Every, uh, ever <laughs> since. So, man. Good reason to come. <laughs> man, it was an amazing reason. And I, I was like, I'm here. This me right here. And then yeah. the next year they discontinue it. I'm already, you know, done moved. And it is what it is. But, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned you know, that you just fall into this managerial position. But I would imagine it's because of the work ethic that you had, that people saw something in you that made them want to promote you. And, um, you know, that's cool. And we'll get more into that in the interview. But so you move from the front desk at Pascal being the manager on to what? Uh, to the hotel manager. Oh, wow. uh, front desk hotel manager. Yeah. Oh, you went from the front desk. To the hotel, the whole hotel. Uh, oh yeah, over the uh, the hotel part. It had a restaurant uh, added on to it too. While I was the front desk manager over the hotel part. Got you, got you, got you. Okay, okay. So did you have like the walkie-talkie and all that, or? No, it was a small hotel, so we didn't need that. It was only uh, I think four floors or three floors. I forgot how many floors it is. It's not big at all. Okay, okay. And mainly stood behind the front desk, monitor the front area, uh, oversee the housekeeper, make sure that uh, the supervisor of the housekeeper was doing her job and the bellhops was doing their job. Got uh, you. 
made plans, uh, cal- uh, set the calendar for the different events that went on in there, coordinated it with the restaurant part. Okay, okay. So typical managerial oversight work makes sense to to me. It was crazy, boy, because if you give me a walkie-talkie, you know I'm the man, boy. I had a, a job <laughs> here, and if you had the walkie-talkie, you was that guy. So I tried to get to work early, grab me a walkie-talkie so I could walk around and, hey, clean up on the aisle, too. You know what I mean? So, okay. Man, cool. So what happened next, and how old are you at this point? Um, Early 30s. Okay. Okay. Yeah, about 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 early thirties. Yep. And after then, uh, I left and moved up to the Smyrna Marietta area because I wanted to change from the downtown area, and ended up working for a flower company. Jesus. Okay. Uh, delivering flowers, uh, working in the uh, the shop, um, making flowers. Uh, to running it one day a week on on Saturday, I had the whole ball myself, mm. and I enjoyed that because it was definitely in a rich area Mm-mm. with a lot of people going on. Met a lot of uh, the baseball players, uh, the Braves players that all lived out in that area. Mm-mm. Yeah, really, really good job. Boy, you had the makings to be a true life player, boy. You got flowers, you got hotels, you got insurance so that they can stay alive. I mean, boy, what else do you need? Got the T-top. Well, I did a few other good jobs, too. I did. I went from there to truck driving, driving regular uh, trucks, uh, doing deliveries. Mm-hmm. Uh, got burned out from that. Ended up working for um, STS. Uh, slash Latility Quest, and that was marking underground utilities mm-hmm. for like the power company, the gas company, cable company. So Flowers, that was exciting hotel, doing that too. Life insurance, yeah. you keeping the utilities on. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a great commodity for one to have. Well, wherever the money at, that's where I go. I know that's Ain't good, the money good. Hey, work I'm it there. out. Our pastor used to say, no romance without finance. So I'm with right, you. Right, right. <laughs> ah. Okay, okay. So yeah. what next? What you? What, I mean, shoot, astronaut? Uh, <laughs> from there, I ended up going to driving to school uh, to be a regular truck driver, driving tractor trailers. Okay. And that took me up into 2000. Uh, well, about 2005. Mm. Um, Did you go to Tri-State? Because uh, I, I know back then those schools for driving trucks was real big. No, it was a little private school, uh, CVOT. And I don't recall what the initials stand for. Okay. But I know my certificate has CVOT on it. <laughs> All right, gotcha, gotcha. Right, so I went there and started out uh after I got my license with them through them uh started driving flatbeds for a short time and that was kind of crazy jumping up and down on that truck especially in the winter time the rain and all that so I moved on and went to driving for Huddle House mm, like Waffle like House, Waffle House. Huddle House. 
Yes, yep. Okay, yeah. I remember them days, man. Uh, my dad actually drove uh, 18-wheelers. He drove for Snyder National for years, the big orange trucks. Okay. And, um, yeah, I remember him <laughs> telling me about being in Canada and New Jersey and just all over because he drove – um, nationally, so you know that was um, a period in, in my life that I definitely remember. But you know, I'm young, so I love hopping in and out the trucks. I could only imagine after years of doing it what he felt like, and you know, hopping in and out. So that took a, a wear and tear on your body. So you leave this career that most people, you know, have for all of their life. You know, this is what they want to do, how they want to feed their family. They didn't have the you know, I would imagine the wherewithal like you had to, you know, fix utilities and work for a law firm and, and all of that. So what did you end up doing after driving trucks? Uh, well, that brings me up to the time where I uh, became paralyzed mm. um, in 2005. Talk but about I ended that. up going back in 2007. Uh, August of 2005, I went to work regular day beautiful day beautiful sunny day i i remember this day vividly because um, it was just such a beautiful day outside and i got off of work around about two three o'clock nothing different about my normal day came home and got was a little tired and said well i'm gonna lay down and take a nap and lay down and woke back up about five hours later and was paralyzed. All right, say it one more time. You was paralyzed. I was paralyzed from the waist down. Man, man. So you just lay down, and you wake up paralyzed. Wake up paralyzed. Didn't move, didn't realize it, and ended up turning back over, went back to sleep. Well, back up about 4 o'clock that morning, like I normally do, and say, oh, I'm late, and went to jump out of bed and fell down, hit the floor, and that's when I really realized I was paralyzed. Wow. Man, you got to let that breathe right there. You go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you just wake Healthy. up, you can't move. I mean, man, I, I know that had to strike some fear in you. Um, no, it was a lot of pain. It was definitely a lot of pain. Um, I, I really didn't, I thought it was just something temporarily for, for a minute. I mm -hmm. don't know why. Like it was a cold, I would get over it in an hour or two. Right. Right. Yeah. And did not associate with being paralyzed. I just associate with, oh, I can't move. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you, you know? <laughs> so, um. From there, I uh, had a, a friend that lived next door. He ended up coming over late that night because he had a key in my house and and knew I was my car didn't move. And he came in and uh, I went up the stairs for me. And I'm like, I'm down here on the floor, been here all day, couldn't get back up in the bed. And he tried to get me to go to the emergency room, but again, I thought it was like like a cold. Uh, it'll get over <laughs> shortly, and I stayed there to the next afternoon. <laughs> Man, hold on. So you tell him that you've been on the floor all day. But you, man, that's just like a man don't want to, I mean, you ain't got the use of your legs and you still don't want to go to the hospital, boy, I tell you. Yeah, no, no, he helped 
get me back up in the bed, and I stayed there until the next afternoon, late afternoon, too. Wow. That's yep. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it That's was. crazy. So, <laughs> okay, so you there, you're chilling. I mean, what makes you say, let me, I mean, what did you do next? Or did you say, well, look, I, I need to go in and, you know, have the doctor look at this coal or what? Um, no, they, well, he made me, um, uh, finally the next afternoon, cause I was in a lot of pain and he ended up calling the emergency, uh, ambulance and the ambulance came out and wanted to take me to a hospital close by. And I was like, no, I'm not going to that hospital. So they ended up putting me on a stretcher, took me down, put me in my car and he was driving me to the hospital I wanted to go to, and I was in so much pain that he took me to the hospital I didn't want to go to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent about eight hours there, and they ended up transferring me. Okay, they ended up transferring you. Say it one more time. They ended up transferring me to the hospital I wanted to go to. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hospitals, man. Southern regional for me. Everybody that I've known that has passed has always passed at that hospital. So that's the hospital that you know. If I need to go, let's try to pick somewhere else besides <laughs> that. I think they are like <laughs> the schools in Atlanta losing their accreditation or something. Cause right, oh um, boy, I'm like, don't take me there. So you got. For a person that <laughs> just land there with paralyzed legs, you got a preferred hospital that you want to go to, but yet nothing says let me let me go to the to the doctor. So you get to the the hospital Emory. that you wanted. Gotta gotta go to Emory. Gotta, okay, gotta okay. Go to Emory. Yep. Yeah, Emory's is a is a great great hospital. I've heard. I try to yes. stay away. Uh <laughs> So you get there, and and then what? Uh, For the next 10 days, um, as I was sitting there watching TV, watching Katrina was going on at that time, um, I went up and downstairs all day long taking tests, um, all kinds of tests, answering so many questions about where I've been, my history. And after 10 days, they finally came back into the room and uh, seven doctors walked into the room and told me that it was internal chicken pops on the spine. Mm. And I only had one question. Okay, well, when will I get up and walk? Mm. Which I didn't get my answer. Uh, it was kind of kind of crazy at, at that moment because when they told me I would never walk again, um, I went to go speak and say something, and, and in that minute, I heard God just speaking to me. And all I could do is just tell him, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. That's what I heard God telling me to do, and that went around about two, three times, and finally I got it out of my mouth, and I was fine, and I was I was relieved, you know. At, at that moment, everything was calm, peaceful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, two days later, they ended up moving me over to the Emory Rehab right across the street, which I spent nine months there, um, pretty much uh, 
playing around and in you know in the wheelchair, riding around on the computer, doing everything but really, really trying to work hard. Uh, like I should have been working hard because I knew that they wasn't going to teach me how to walk. They was just trying to teach me how to function in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then after nine months, they came in uh, that the insurance would not pay for that location no more and moved me into a nursing home. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Mm. So... So you six moved, yep. And then what? So I spent six months in that nursing home, uh, which was just disgusting to me. Awful. I mean, I was like, uh, everybody was thirty years my junior or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just decided one day I'm going to go home. <laughs> I still had my place and and had my car, and I was I was going home. Hold on, man. You in the in the in the in the facility with a whole bunch of cougars, baby, and you a player? Man, you the youngest no. thing in there, ain't you? <laughs> the youngest thing in. <laughs> you got stacks and stacks of denture cream <laughs> sitting on the, on the sink counter. Right. The only thing with black hair going on. <laughs> got you. Okay, so you hop yeah. in the, in the, in the Thunderbird with the T top and, and <laughs> put the wheelchair in the trunk. And you head home, and and so how did your recovery happen um, from there? Well, after a couple of days of being home, I started uh, working out with whatever I could work out with, balloons, strings, uh, books, cans, goods, anything I could make an exercise out of it, I, I did. Um, I finally got to the point where I could stand up in the wheelchair and get it outside the door. I would go outside every day in the parking lot and just go back and forth. So I would get tired sometimes it may be 10 feet or 50 feet and, and I would get tired and sit there and just kept pushing and pushing until I was able to get around the corner to the store was, was my first goal was to get around to the store uh, play a lottery number, get a beer, just to be around other people. And uh, so I finally made it there after a month or two. And I just kept working out. Eight months later, I was up and walking. Mm. I went through the, the wheelchair, the walking cane, the walker, the, the four-prong cane, the hand cane that wraps around the upper elbow. Mm-hmm. To the prong cane, and uh, eight months later, I was back up and walking, doing what the doctor said. Couldn't, couldn't be done. Do. Right. Man, so you go to your preferred hospital, and then when you get the, the, the what they call it, prognosis or diagnosis, and then you tell them they don't know what they're talking about, turns out to be true. Go to yeah. rehab, say, that's not for you. People too right. old around here. Your goal <laughs> is to go around the corner to the store and get you a beer and hang out with the people at the store, and then you actually do it. That has to feel good. It was. It was. It was a challenge. It was one of the biggest challenges of my life. Man. Uh, a lot of pain going through it. You know, a true pain, outrageous pain. Pain where 
other people could not sit and look at me. Because it was so painful. I was going through, yes. Man, that's one of them that's going to hurt me more than it hurt you type thing. Right, right. Because I'm like looking over the room like, what are you crying for? Right. <laughs> ah. So you got all these canes and then you end up with a new cane. You got your your uh, cane from becoming visually impaired or blind. So how'd you come about needing your, uh, you know, your cane? Well, uh, before I got to that cane, um, believe it or not, I ended up going back to work for exactly one year mm. and ended up back in another nursing home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I caught a uh, staph infection from being in the hospitals. Right. And that landed me back in another hospital, nursing home for about five and a half months. And between the the nerve damage from being paralyzed, the, uh, the medication that they put me on, I started losing my eyesight. And up to 2014, I didn't even use a cane, but I had made it through 18 operations. Wow. And slowly but surely, I started losing my eyesight to the point where I had to start using the cane in late 2016. Okay, okay, okay. So I guess yeah. when you get older, nursing home ain't going to be where you going to be going, I take it. I'm not going there, no. <laughs> you experienced that <laughs> twice in life <laughs> before you turn 60. God. No, no, Lee. I'm not going there. Too many people die up in there. <laughs> Man, I know that's right. So cool. Yeah. All right, well, we're almost at the end, man. This has definitely been okay. a great capture of the life and time of Warren Cruder. But tell me this. What are you doing now? Talk about your business, how people can find you, and um, let's get some promotion done because surely the gentleman knows how to work. He knows how to overcome obstacles, and it's his goal to keep you healthy, healthy empower you. And so tell the people how they can reach you, why to reach you, and what you're doing now. Okay, now I'm doing life and health insurance uh, as an independent agent, uh, trying to branch out and open my own agency. <clears throat> I could be reached at uh, 404-565-0149, or the email is WLCRU. D is in David, U, P is in Paul, the number two at gmail.com. Cool, cool, cool. Well, Warren, it's been, you was going to say something else? Nope, nope. Oh, okay, fantastic to hey. interview you today. You actually enlightened me on some things that I had no clue. Uh, super, super, <laughs> super, super interesting. <laughs> And um, give us one last piece of advice. For those of us that are disabled, we want to work. We may not know how um, to actually happen, make it happen. What would you say to those people out there? God have thing that you need. He gave you the strength, the power, and the wisdom. Write your plan, study your plan, and work your plan. 
Mm. It, it will come true. Hey, man, there you go. Your work plan with vocational rehabilitation, your life plan for yourself, make them two merge, and you, my friends, will have one amazing life. Um, as yeah. usual, let's change the world. Let's change the world together. You have been listening to Outliers, an official production of the Delivering Access Network. If you have a comment, question, or an idea for a program, email Vashon at excellence at fedoraoutlier.com. And visit fedoraoutlier.com if you'd like to purchase any of the products you hear advertised on the program. And for more great podcasts from the Delivering Access team, visit deliveringaccess.net. Check back again next time for more Outliers. Until then, thanks again for listening, and let's change the world together.